0: Hello, this is Dan Jones, and this will be an unusual, one-of-a-kind quiet talk. Welcome. Yesterday was my last day as a priest in the Episcopal Church. In making this announcement, I'd like to make it as clear as possible that I am not angry at anybody. Paul says that the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach. Patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. I believe that Jesus Christ died for all people. This includes those who don't believe in him and those who mistakenly think they believe in him, but really believe in a Jesus they've created in their own minds to please themselves and the people who are part of this tragically lost culture of ours. The real Jesus stands ready to receive anyone who bows in genuine repentance from sin and puts his total faith in Christ's finished work on the cross. I wish everybody would surrender to God but not everybody does. When I was ordained a priest in the Episcopal Church on December the 8th, 2013, I was really joining up with a Christ-like, spirit-filled man named Bill Love, who at the time was the Bishop of Albany. I had met him years before when he was the rector of St. Mary's Church in Lake Luzerne, New York. I was the pastor of the Conklingville Community Church about six miles away. We became friends long before I had any thought of becoming an Episcopalian. Of course, now, because of his commitment to the authority of the Bible, the Church has forced him out. The Book of Common Prayer, which orders worship services in the Church, is not a substitute for the Bible, but is itself mostly Scripture. I found Prayer book worship to be very beautiful, very reverent. I was not brought up to it, but I came to love it, although I still have times when I need to kick my heels up, so to speak, like I used to. So let me give you a little sample of what's in that book. When I was ordained, I had to say these words from the prayer book in front of the bishop and everyone who decided to come to the service, including a large segment of my family and extended family. This is on page 526, quote, I solemnly declare that I do believe the holy scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the word of God and to contain all things necessary to salvation. I had no trouble saying that. I didn't have my fingers crossed. I had believed that since I was a child. I was brought up on the Bible, and I thank God for that. Now, right after you say that, you have to also promise to conform to the doctrine, discipline, and worship of the Episcopal Church. But when these two promises come into direct conflict, I don't have to stop and think about which one takes precedence. The Bible was here a long time before the Episcopal Church was, and it will be here after they're gone. I recently asked Bishop Love if those people who kicked him out were ordained using the same words from the prayer book that I was. He said they were. Which means they were either not telling the truth when they took their vows, or they have departed from them. They will have to answer for that, not me. Now, there are people in the Episcopal Church today who profess orthodox views on the matters that have divided us, but that say we can walk together with these people who have different views of sexual morality, for example. The author of an article I read recently said, we shouldn't call these people heretics just because they approve and even bless certain practices that are condemned in the Bible, practices that the Word says will bring the wrath of God on people. He said they're not heretics as long as they have the correct orthodox view of Christology and the Trinity. As long as they say that Jesus is the eternal Son of God and that God exists in one essence but three persons Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, they're not heretics. Let me share a word with you from the book that is read every Sunday in Episcopal churches across this country. And after each reading, the reader says, the word of the Lord, and the people respond, thanks be to God. Titus chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Now, in case you missed it, they profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. You can say the Nicene Creed until you're blue in the face, but if you live in sin or give approval to those who do, you are denying Him. The old saying is true. Actions speak louder than words. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says that Christ died for our sins, according to to the scriptures. And those scriptures according to which he died for us define what sin is. We don't get to redefine it and then claim to be a part of the Jesus movement. The real Jesus movement is away from sin and toward holiness, holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Every person who said those words when they were ordained about believing that the holy scriptures are the word of God needs to remember these words of Jesus Christ. He said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Those who give approval to what the Bible clearly teaches is sinful behavior are not following Jesus Christ, no matter what creeds they mouth in church. I imagine some people might accuse me of being self righteous after they hear this. Let me be clear on one thing I am the worst sinner I've ever met. Sin is sin, and whether your sin is sexual in nature or whether you are a gossip or you're greedy or unforgiving, you are a sinner who merits eternal punishment. But thankfully for sinners like me and like every other person on the planet, Jesus offers mercy and forgiveness when we confess our sins and repent. I haven't repented just once, just once in my life, but many times. And there's no doubt if I live another week or two, I'll have to do more repenting. I'm so grateful for 1 John 1, seven: If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So now I am compelled by the Spirit of God to heed the words of 2 Corinthians six, seventeen and 18. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. There are some who call for unity at all costs, not my Jesus. Here's what he said. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me Is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. That's the Jesus movement, my friend. And I think we can justly say after these words of our Lord that he who loves his building more than Jesus is not worthy of Jesus. And he who loves his denominational tradition more than Jesus is not worthy of him either. There is no doubt that Jesus wants unity among his true followers. But true unity is not the result of a bunch of bishops having a conference for days and days and quote-unquote hammering out an agreement. Unity happens naturally when everyone concerned is united with Jesus by faith and total submission. You don't have to agree on every fine point of doctrine to be in unity with other believers, but you do have to be totally submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord. Being a Christian involves hard choices, but the reward of following Him is eternal life. That's all that matters. I guess you could say the verse that most inspires me as a preacher is Ephesians 3, 8. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. No man could have a higher honor in this life. To go from preaching Christ to being President of the United States would be a giant demotion. My wife, Debbie, and I humbly ask for your prayers as we step out in faith and enter this new chapter in our lives with Christ. Life with God is truly an adventure this is the first quiet talk you've listened to, you should know that I upload a new episode each Monday and Thursday morning. The subject matter of this talk is unique and will be my last word on the subject. Forgetting those things that are behind and reaching out to those things that are ahead, I press on to the finish line in this quest to obtain the prize of this upward call of God in Jesus Christ. My email address is father.danjones at outlook.com. May God bless you richly.